What's up, everybody? This is Mike Isicki, tight end for the Miami Dolphins, and welcome to the All-Star Sports Podcast with your hosts, Gabe and Rafi. Hello, hello, and I apologize for having some audio issues here. Um, the audio hasn't been, um, we might be having some connection issues, but today we're going to start off with a signing that we heard about a couple of days ago, Dak Prescott. Well, not really signing, extension. Dak Prescott got a huge extension from the Cowboys. But, yeah, um, but yeah, Gabe, you want to start off on this? Yeah, four years, $160 million, could be worth up to $164 million. It, it, Next year, he's making, what, $74 million, which is absurd, right? Um, like, the contract's just giant. Here's what I think. Uh, I think – Throughout the giant negotiation process that's been happening throughout the last year or so, I think the belief is that Dallas won a five-year deal, Prescott won a four-year deal, so he could get the free agency sooner, cash in once again. Clearly, what with Dak on this, they really wanted him back. Um, $126 million guaranteed. The Sean Watson's contract, for comparison, is four years, $112 million total guarantees. Um, Dak Prescott, $66 million signing bonus, largest in NFL history. Yeah, just – it was just a wild deal. So here's what I think on this. They paid way too much money for Dak Prescott, but in the Cowboys situation – I think paying that much money is better than not getting him back. I, I'd, ra- I'd rather pay Dak Prescott that much money than have him walk and not get him back. Yeah. Like, Dak Prescott was amazing before he got injured. Obviously, he had the terrible injury that we all saw with the ankle. It was not a pretty scene, but he was – he was amazing. I mean, 68% completion percentage um, in just five games, 1,856 yards, nine TDs to only four pick, to f- just four picks, a rating of 99.6. I mean, he had 371 yards per game. Like, Dak Prescott was amazing. He yeah. was an MVP candidate for the first five weeks. And – it's it's crazy that he like has a bigger contract than Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, he was so good, and I think it's better than not getting him at all. Right, but um, yeah, just wild, wild deal. That I just he he'll be returning to one of the league's best wide receiving groups: Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup. They've got a solid tight end in Blake Jarwin. Both their starting tackles will be back with Tyrone Smith and Lyle Collins. Dallas Cowboys are back from injury, and unfortunately, I think they are the favorite to win the NFC Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys, I just don't know if they can do it with Mike McCarthy. Their coaching staff is so bad. It's not just Mike McCarthy. It's the whole coaching staff, the coordinators, the positional coaches. They have a terrible coaching staff. But what they is, it's bad. This is really bad for three teams, the 49ers, the Bears, and the football team. Those were three teams that were in contention to get him, and they all need quarterbacks. I mean, you look at the football team. The Bears and the 40, 49ers, 100%. The 49ers are a quarterback away from making the Super Bowl. Yeah. 
Yeah, the I mean, they made the Super Bowl yeah. with Jimmy G. The, the football team's a quarterback away from being a contender, as is the Bears. Um, but, like, they, they – without – now they're going to need to go for different options, maybe trading for a Marcus Mariota or Deshaun Watson if they can get him, getting Cam Newton if you're able – getting Sam Darnold – getting Cam Newton, which I would be stupid, but it'll happen, or going for someone in the draft. But right. none of those are as good as getting Dak Prescott. Yeah. And Dak Prescott, he's brilliant at reading defenses. He just very, very good quarterback. Honestly, he just based off a of talent, he's a borderline top five quarterback in the NFL right now. Right? Like, among yeah. all quarterbacks, I wouldn't call him a top five quarterback. I just based off a of talent, honestly, borderline. I, you have to inc- I wouldn't say top top five, but among all quarterbacks with at least five hundred dropbacks in twenty sixteen and his rookie season, he he only his, his average depth of target ranks twenty fifth among all quarterbacks. So I think he, he 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 should probably take more chances down the field, especially with that talented of a wide receiver core. But yeah. I would call him a tier two quarterback in the NFL. Not quite tier one. He's not quite yeah, there I, yet with the I likes agree. of Mahomes and Rodgers. And he's Wilson not. And he's not there. He's not there with Mahomes, Rodgers, Wilson, Wilson, Watson, Lamar. But um. Lamar. No, Lamar's a tier one quarterback. Dude. But, He's tier two. No, but Dak Prescott is tier two. Um, and yeah. Yeah, just I think this was, as you said earlier, it was smart decision by the Dallas Cowboys because I would rather overpay for a generational talented quarterback. Well, not generational talent. We have talents in this generation that are better. Yeah, but obviously – but you can – I – I'm very yeah. good. Yeah, Dak Prescott's very good. Yeah. But this deal was not great for the Cowboys. Honestly, yeah. Dak Prescott should not be pay, being paid more than Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson. I agree. And it's better than not getting him. Right. But it was a great deal for Dak Prescott. He'll yeah. never be in the conversation to be franchise tagged again, most likely. Right. Um, he, like, it's a great deal. He got the length that he wanted. He got more money that he probably deserved. But the Cowboys believe in Dak Prescott, and so do I. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. So, all yeah. right, well, we're going to move on to our next segment here. Baseball season is is right around the corner. So we are going to talk about three things that we are excited about for our teams. I'm a Nationals fan. Rafi's an Orioles fan. And three things that we are not so excited about about our teams this season. Yeah. So, Rafi, why don't you kick it off with your first positive? Yeah. So, as an Orioles fan, you know, past three years have been tough. You can't say the past three years, you haven't been able to say too much about things we're exciting for. But there are three things that I'm looking forward to this year. And number one, 
is not it's just obvious. It's not even close. And that is Trey Mancini being back. Trey Mancini, amazing story. He was diagnosed with colon cancer. Um, I went through lots of chemotherapy, missed the 2020 season, came back to spring training this year, got a standing ovation. But Trey Mancini, I think in general, I don't know why, people just don't realize how good he is. I mean, 20... <laughs> 2019, 2019, 291 batting average, 364 on base, 535 slug. He he had an OPS of 899, 1.01 away from 100. I mean, not 100, 900. Um, and people just don't see him as like insane. He had a little bit of an off year in 2018, but go to 2017. 293 batting average on base of 338, slugging a 488 for an OPS of 826. He's not very good in the field, but uh, Trey Mancini is a very good player. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. Trey Mancini is great, has really missed him last year in your offense, especially just he, he is, in my opinion, easily your best player. Yeah. Um, glad that he's back. I like watching him play, but yeah. I'll say the next thing I'm excited – the first thing I'm excited for for the Washington Nationals, it's – mine's also a player returning from injury, but this time it's Steven Strasburg. Yeah. He, he's cleared to play a few weeks ago. Just such a talented pitcher. He's given that big contract for the 19 offseason, right? Obviously won, won World Series MVP. But Steven Strasburg, not going to count last season because he played what? He played one, he played two games, right? But let's go back to 2019, 18-6. and six. I know win, wins and losses aren't the best stats for pitchers. But 135 ERA plus, FIP of 3.25, whip right around one. Obviously pitched great in the playoffs. I'm extremely excited to bring back the depth that this rotation had in 2019. We really missed it last season. Yeah, Steven Strasburg's a great player. When I was choosing my Cy Young Award, I think I was thinking about him as either number two or number three for this year. His ERA, his ERA, like in 2019, his ERA was a tiny bit higher than usual, and yet it was 332. Like, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I guess yeah. not. He's not higher than usual, but... No, he's not a pitcher. When you look at the basic stats, you would call an elite pitcher, but Steven Strasburg is, is an nasty elite stuff. pitcher. His nasty best year, stuff. His best year of his career was probably 2017, 252 ERA, whip of 1.015. I mean, he is a very good pitcher. He has nasty stuff, nasty fastball mixed in with that nasty 12-6 curve. Right. I mean, like, yeah. If Steven Strasburg can stay healthy like he did in 2019 and like he did in 2017, he – is well in the race and really got to think about him challenging for the Cy Young Award, right? He is constantly putting himself in the 10 strikeouts per nine range. He, he doesn't walk a lot of batters, but doesn't give up many home runs. He's really quite an elite pitcher. His, his whip is hovering around one constantly. I think maybe he can even dip it below one this year, which would be outstanding. Just the depth he brings to the rotation with Max Scherzer and Patrick Corbin is great, and I'm very excited to have him back. 
Yeah, I mean the Nats are the Nats are gonna have go back to having that great rotation. Got that top three of Strass, Scherzer, and Corbin. Say right. what you want, but for a number four, I think Lester was fine for a one year deal. And then Joe Ross, like Yeah. That's pretty good. So right. I'll move on. Unless you, do you want to say more? I want to say one more thing. You mentioned Steven Strasburg's curveball. Oh, I think challenges for the best curveball in baseball. It's, it's one of the best. It's I think it's, it's still it's still Kershaw, but right. But he's his current spin is in the eighty six percentile, according to Baseball Savant. Right, his whiff percentage on his fastball is eighty one percent. That's absurd. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. On not his fastball, his curveball, but yeah. Just wild pitch. Very excited to have him back. Yeah. So my I kind of fit two things into one for my next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is two other players that I'm excited about. And that is Ryan Mountcastle and John Means. Mm-hmm. I guess I put them in the same because they're in a similar situation. Ryan Mountcastle, um, you know, was, had a great rookie season last year. Um, well, was technically was he is he technically still a rookie? He is still a rookie, but he's I mean, Randy Rosarena was eligible as a rookie last year and this year, right? But um, yeah, I mean, he was he was very good um, last year. Hold on, this is being really weird. Let me pull this up. Um, here we go. All right. So, Ryan Mountcastle, I think he was a finalist for Rookie of the Year last year. Or, no, he wasn't. He wasn't a finalist, but he was, like, top ten. But, um, uh, right. and he'll be one – He'll he's he was my prediction for Rookie of the Year this year. He walked so much. He has an on-base of 386, which is very good, but it feels like it should be more of that just because it felt like he was getting a walk per game. So, game 492 for an OPS of 878. Batting average of 333, and this is in 140 plate appearances, 126 at bats, five home runs. He's like nothing to die for in the field, but he's a very good hitter that I think is going to have a very good year this year. Yeah. Uh, you talk about Ryan Mountcastle. I really want to focus on John Means. I'm a massive, massive, massive John Means fan. Yeah. Right, it hit you. His his fastball is off the chart. The his spin change, he gets on his, his pitches, his changeup is so good. Right, just the spin he gets on his pitches is absurd. He's got the the four pitch mix in the fastball, changeup, curveball, slider, but he is just super super talented. Right, he doesn't walk many batters. Got. Just he's just a great yeah. pitcher. I opinion. mean, John Means a great pitcher. He had an off year last year, but in 2019, when he was in, he was an all star. He had a 360 RA, which off the off the numbers wasn't amazing, but he was he was very good watching him. He had a WHIP of 1.135, a FIP of 4.41. I mean, he's very good. He has a great fastball and changeup. He could work on his curveball and slider more, especially his slider. Not to say that they're bad, but he could work on it more. Um, right. But John Means is a very good pitcher. Right. You mentioned his changeup. I just a very, 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 very good, good pitch. 
um, gets absurd, spin on it, throws it a ton, 25% of the time last season. Yeah, just a great, great pitcher. Yeah. All right, I'll move on to my next one. And I mentioned you – I, I – I'm very excited to have Joe Ross back in a solid fifth spot in the rotation role. Really? Well, yes. Before he had to get Tommy John surgery and then had to had some other issues where he had to sit out even longer because of some family stuff. He was showing flashes of amazing, amazing pitching. Honestly, I think Austin Voth might be better than Joe Ross. Oh. I really dislike Austin Book, but I'll get into that maybe later. But Joe Ross came back in well, first he hasn't really pitched a full season since since 2016, really, where he started in 19 games. But in 2016, in his I think technically his rookie year, he. 19 starts, had a 343 ERA, showed off some pretty nasty stuff, showed flashes of great potential. Oh, Joe, Joe Ross is only 27. Huh. Yeah, Joe Ross is still a pretty young, a pretty, gave, a pretty young player. When, when he's pitched in the past, he's he's never had like 548 ERA, 506 ERA, 501 ERA, 343 ERA, 364. Like he has a nasty fastball, which you can rely on with him, but you can't just have one pitch. Honestly, like I think he might be better out of the bullpen. I I think he's better out of the bullpen, but I am I I I'm pretty pretty excited for Joe Ross to be in this position. I like Joe Ross just as a person. He showed flashes before he had to get Tommy John surgery of great potential. He, he pitched in the World Series which pretty well against a cheating Astros team. Um, but, yeah. You, you don't know this. that they were cheating that year, but Dude, they probably Whatever. Were. I'm going to call them. They probably them. were. They probably were. But you can compare – Joe Ross's velocity and movement on like I I'm putting him in the same category, which is the movement he gets on his sinker in like the Lance Lynn category. He has an insanely good sinker and a solid fastball. Just I'm excited. I really just I don't love Austin Vos. Just can't throw more than five innings, which I don't like. But, yeah, just excited. All right. So, my next guy is someone I'm going to actually end up mentioning twice in this video. But I'll talk about him first here. That is Anthony Santander. Mm -hmm. Anthony Santander only played um, – only – um, only played for 37 games last year, 165 plate appearances, 153 at-bats. Mm-hmm. It's not as big as a, of a sample size as you'd like, but when he was playing, he was consistently the league leader in home runs, the league leader in slugging percentage, top in the OPS as he was playing. 
like mm-hmm. just during those. I mean, he was amazing last year. Batting average 261, but he had an on-base 350, slugging a 575 for an 890 OPS. He had 11 homers in 37 games, which is amazing. Um he was consistently like leading the league in the homers while he was playing. And one thing people don't talk about him is his fielding. He has such a good arm. He has, I mean, he has an amazing arm. Um, I mean, defensive run saved above, above average. He had 10 field percentage doesn't matter, but he had multiple like robbed home runs, diving catches. He's an amazing fielder with a hell of an arm. And yeah, he's a great player. All right. Um, I'm going to move on to my next one. Don't have a lot to say about Anthony Santander, but I am very excited for some. We brought in this offseason in a trade, Josh Bell. He brings some switch hitting versatility to the middle of the lineup. He's a big power hitter, not the best fielder, but last year in a down season was the 87 was in the 87th percentile in exit velocity. Let's look at 2019. He was an all-star in the first half of the season. He looked like he was challenging for the MVP award, but hit 277 with a 936 OPS, right? Had, had 37 home runs, 116 RBIs on a horrid, horrid Pirates team. 37 doubles. He's just a really, really talented hitter. He brings good versatility. In, in 2019, he, he led the league, didn't lead the league, in the top 8% in the league in XW, in XWOBA, which is a great stat that measures hitting. But, yeah, just puts the barrel on the ball. He's a big dude, six foot four. I'm just super excited that we brought him in, and I think I, it was a good trade, I too. I don't know about that one. It was a good trade just because of what you gave up and the potential that he has, but Josh Bell had a great 2019 campaign. He had a mm-hmm. pretty good year in 2017, a solid year. But besides that, he's never been that good. And last year, he was horrendous. In 223 plate appearances, 195 at-bats, 226 average for eight home runs, 305 on base for a 364 slugging and a 669 OPS. He was terrible last year. Once again, you have to take a shortened 60-game season where there was no fans no real spring training, a very shortened preseason with a grain of salt. You cannot bring the 2020 season into too much of thinking, right? I'm going to, I keep, I do this with every single player. I look at their last full season with no injury and no shortened season and Josh Bell was fantastic in 2019 he'd shown flashes of potential before that but in 2019 he broke out was an all-star once again just had an outstanding season I'm very excited to finally bring some good versatility and a great power hitter to the middle of the lineup I mean yeah he has a lot of potential but he also has a pretty low floor high ceiling low floor but yeah. So going on to my first thing that I am not excited about. And for the past many years, this has always been the thing with those. And we just can't have, we can't get good players here. That mm-hmm. is our pitching. Our pitching. 
I mean, this year, when it comes to the starting rotation, we'll have John Means, Wade LeBlanc, Dean Kramer, Jorge Lopez, prob- and then probably Keaton Aiken with a ca- chance of it being King Felix. Felix Hernandez, like that's not very good. John Means is good. Wade LeBlanc was sought was solid last year, but he's also thir- like thirty seven or something. He's not that good. Dean Kramer, I like. I mean, Dean Kramer isn't amazing now, but he has a lot of potential. I think he'll be good in the future. Jorge Lopez was solid, but he's also old. Then Keegan Aikens, met like don't have very good pitching. And then the biggest problem is the bullpen. Mm-hmm. We have. All right, some good players in the bullpen are Dylan Tate had a solid year, but then there's Paul Fry. There's Hunter Harvey, who's shown flashes of being very good, and I think he is good. Cole Solcer was solid. Tanner Scott was pretty good. And when he played, Cesar Valdez looked very good. But Mm -hmm. the thing is, these are all – no one on our team is more than a in our bullpen is more than just above average, and it's hard to find anyone that's really above average on our on in our bullpen. Like our bullpen is nothing to nothing mm-hmm. to die for. Like there's not much there. We just don't have good pitching, and even like Cesar Cesar Valdez, who you know was this guy that no one had ever heard of, and people kind of just assumed that he was this young dude. Um, that had just come up. He's 35. To he he started playing 2010 for the car for um for the Diamondbacks. Got sent down. Didn't play again till 2017, where he played on Oakland and Toronto, where he didn't do anything. Then goes to Baltimore and does well. But like he's 35, so he'll not be. He he's not gonna be here for a long time. And right. uh, yeah. Uh, I'll talk about. My first negative, which is very similar to yours, it's the Nationals' bullpen depth. Right now, in the Nats' bullpen, there are four guys I'm confident putting out there. There's Daniel Hudson, there's Will Harris, there's Brad Hand, there's Wander Suero. Wander Suero shown flashes of great potential, but he has shown that he's very unclutch and he can't pitch back-to-back I, I don't love Wander Suero. He has nasty stuff, but as an everyday guy, like... Right, exactly. You can't, you can't see back to together, and Daniel Hudson's also like thirty-five. You, you can't pitch back to back. Wander Swear can't pitch back to back days. He's shown flashes of decent potential, but not great. Brad Ham brought him in this offseason. Is an elite lefty, but he is the only lefty we have. Which we saw with Sean Doolittle in twenty nineteen. When you you have. And Will Harris and Daniel Hudson are both old. Both didn't play ball very very well last year. Again, you have to take that with a grain of salt. But in the back of your mind, you have to be thinking, are these guys a little bit washed up? So let's talk Brad Hand, the only lefty in the bullpen who has ever made a major league appearance. We Ben Bramer, who's never heard of him. He's on the depth chart. But, yeah, Brad Hand... Shaw was Sean Doolittle in 2019. When you have to put out the same exact reliever every single game, that just doesn't work. Sean Doolittle had a great beginning, like quarter of the season in 2019, that absolutely threw at his arm and fell off a cliff. I really don't want the same thing to happen over at hand, but 
unfortunately, I think it will. Yeah, um, I don't right. think Brad. I don't think Brad Hand's necessarily gonna get hurt. I think Brad Hand's gonna be good, but no. I'm, but when you only have one reliever that you're really comfortable putting out there, you have to think. Like, do you yeah. want to put this guy out every single day? You you know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm trying to say, basically. Yeah, I mean. Someone that I just realized is still a free agent is Jose Alvarez. I'm not sure. This can't be right. But if that is true, then I think that's someone you would benefit from signing. Right. And then you have these these guys like Kyle Finnegan and Ren Harper who made their first appearances last season and were decent. But you don't want to put those guys out in a, in a tie game in the eighth inning. Yeah. You're not putting Ren Harper out there. Right, you're not putting Kyle McGowan. It's just, it's a bit concerning that we really have no depth in the bullpen. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So my next guy, uh, or not guy, just thing I'm worried about is the coaching. Brandon Hyde did not look very good last year because he is clearly not accepting the fact that the sacrifice bunt is over and it's stupid. I yeah. mean, we were constantly with the second base runner on in extra innings, just bunting for one run. We you need a play for more than one run. He's bunting way too much. There should only be one player on our team that you should really be bunting with, and that's Cedric Mullins because he gets base hits from it. But, like, he, his biggest problem is bunting. But then there's not just that. There's also the problem of managing pitchers and bullpen. I mean, like, he was playing – he was playing Cole Solcer as our closer for way too long into the year. And Cole Solcer is solid. He has a good changeup. Like, he had a very good start to the year last year. But in the end of the year, I mean, he had, in, in the end of the year, he ended with an ERA of 556. He had a great first half, bad second half. Took him way too late to start playing Cesar Valdez and Tanner Scott more. Didn't play Hunter Harvey enough. Didn't play Paul Fry enough or Dylan Tate enough. Like he he was not good at managing our pitchers. Right. Yeah. I Dave Mar- Davey Martinez has had some similar issues with managing bullpens, but he's won a World Series. He, I I can't put him on a list like this. So I'm going to talk about my next thing, which is the Nats are playing in the most difficult division in baseball. Disagree. That's my, my next thing is division slash strength of schedule because the O's are playing in the hardest division in baseball. I think the NL East is a bit more difficult than the AL no. East. It's very close, but the Mets improved a ton this offseason, made a lot of key moves, the big one being Francisco Lindor. Um, the Braves are constantly good. They always have one of the best rosters in baseball. The Phillies are still the Phillies. Are they? No matter how good the roster is, is 
they will never finish above like five games over 500. Marlins, I'm not so worried about. But the two big ones I are mean, the Braves what, and the Mets. I mean, what I'll say is that I know the NL East has more depth, like the fact that the Phillies and Marlins are your fourth and fifth team, but our top teams are just so much better. The Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the Rays. I would the both the Braves and the Mets, in my opinion, maybe not the Mets, are our top five teams in baseball. Eh, you just, maybe. I was just, yeah, maybe, but right, I like, still, I'd still, I'd still take, take the Yankees as the second best team in baseball. Rays borderline top five, kind of in the same boat as the Mets, but just, yeah, just extremely tough division. Especially when you're playing each team 19 games a year, you need to be at least 500 with both the Braves and the Mets if you want to win the division. Which I yeah. just don't think we can do. I mean, yeah, they they are a great team, and it's they are some great teams, and it's hard to play against. So yeah, yeah as previously mentioned, my next thing is our division strength strength of schedule. I mean, you look in last year's 60 game season, um, mm-hmm. like it, it was just. I mean, the O's ended up not being last, but Rays made the World Series at 40 and 20, Yankees 33 and 27, Blue Jays 32 and 28. The Blue Jays have only gotten better. The Blue Jays are going to be very good this year. Um, And the Blue Jays have, we just have such a hard schedule and we're in such a hard, hard division. Yeah. I think you can say the same thing about both the Nats and the O's in this boat. I'm going to move on to my last one. And this one is completely player-based, and it is catcher Jan Gomes. He is no doubt going to be the opening day starter at catcher, which I extremely dislike. He's the only Brazilian-born player in the MLB right now, but really, I just don't like this guy. I'm going to take 2020 with a grain of salt once again. I'm going to go back to 2019. 223 batting average. 704 OPS. I get catchers aren't supposed to hit, but when you have an 80 OPS plus as a position player, that is horrific. Fielding, he's he's also horrible. He's in the ninth percentile in framing. He is just really not a good fielder. Uh, got a d- below average pop time. Makes can't makes too many errors on bowls in the dirt. I really just hated that we did not bring in a catcher this offseason. Yeah, it's tough, but, you know, that you could do, I mean. Right, but, like, yeah. I'll, I'll go back to 2019. Bit better and everything, but still, horrible hitter, walks a decent amount, but, like, can't frame to save his life, decent pop time, just I'm just not a good catcher. Just not a good catcher. And we don't even have a, a solidified backup option. You guys, you guys could have benefited from getting a James McCann. Um yeah. or obviously it was I don't a, even love James McCann. I obviously it was a James long James. obviously it was a long shot, but JT Romito. JT uh, Romito was not that big of a long shot, but eh. We you don't did. even have a solid backup option. I, I Alex Avia is the only. You know, other. you know what you guys could have considered bringing Who? back Buffalo. Wilson Ramos is not that good anymore, Rafi. 
He's a terrible fielder, but he's still a good hitter. Yeah, we don't we need fielding at the catcher position, especially with a lot of pitchers that throw in the dirt. But the only other catcher on the roster is Alex Avio, who's not good, right? Um, I you can put Kyle Schwarber at catcher if you really need to if Jan Gomes is injured and you really, really need a rest day. But I hate the fact that we didn't even bring up like a decent backup catcher. Yeah, it's Jan Gomes is our only option at catcher. Yeah. I mean, right now, who is your backup catcher? Alex Avia. Oh, uh, I mean, he's he's solid. He's backup. Still, like, yeah. Yeah. like he barely he has barely played in the past. Yeah. Like he hasn't played more than twenty four games. Yeah, I agree with you, you guys. And that was in twenty thirteen. Like, I agree. Just not. You can't rely on him to come in and start game like yeah. game multiple games in a row if he needs to. Yeah, just, I agree. I don't think Young Gums is that good anymore. And yeah. Yeah. All right. So moving on to our next segment, another baseball one. Obviously, baseball season's coming up, so naturally you need to talk about some players that you think are going to break out this year and some players you think are going to step down. So, Gabe, you want to give me your first breakout player? I am going to give you my first breakout player. Um, it is um, uh, word. Um, it's, it, it is pitcher. Jake, Jacob Webb, Atlanta Braves righty Jacob Webb. Um, he's shown flashes of great potential. Uh, 2020 only played in eight games, but 20, 2019 in, in 32 innings had a whip of 1.1, struck out 7.8 batters per nine, a 1.39 ERA, shown flashes of great potential, has some pretty – pretty nasty stuff plays for a team I don't like but I think he will be a solid step up option if they need to in the bullpen yeah he's he's good he's got some good stuff he's 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 a pretty good reliever his his fastball is great curveball is not so great but his fastball gets great spin on it yeah just yeah he's a very very solid pitcher yeah. Um, so I'll go with my first guy. This is someone that was an above average pitcher this year. And when he's gotten MLB reps in the past, he's been pretty good. But I think this is the year he takes it up and becomes like a Cy Young candidate. And that mm-hmm. is Tyler Glasnow of the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh-huh. Tyler Glasnow, did it, he never has amazing ERAs because he'll either shut people down or have terrible games. He's not as nearly as consistent as you like, as you like, but 1.134 whip, not great. 4.08 ERA, didn't have a good year this year, but you look at when he pitched last year in 12 games, 170 
8 ERA for a whip of 0.890 and FIP of 2.26. Like, he's shown amazing flashes, and I think he just puts it together this year and becomes more consistent. That's what he needs. He needs to be consistent. If he can consistently be good and not walk as many batters or hit as many batters, then he'll be a top pitcher that will be. He has a nasty fastball and a nasty curveball. One of his problems is he really only has a fastball and a curveball. He has a bit of a changeup, but he should he needs to work on it. He should work on developing a slider. And I mean, but that fastball and curveball is nasty. If he walks less batters, hits less batters, he'll he'll be so good. Yeah. Tyler Glass now has some nasty, nasty, nasty stuff. You watch his highlights, you gotta think that guy is top five pitcher potential in baseball. And I say that with full confidence. I'm a big fan of Glass now. He's got great hair. He's got great pitching. I, I fully agree with that. I'll move on to my next guy. It is Rev's righty. It's another pitcher. It's TJ Antone. Last season was his, was his rookie season, so you can only look at last season. But he was excellent. One of the most underrated pitches in baseball is his curveball, 95th percentile on the spin rate on it. His K percentage was in the 86th percentile. He, he walks a lot of batters, but the spin he gets when he throws the ball is absurd. Last season, 2.80 ERA in 35 innings pitch, whip around one. He is a great, great pitcher. He's able to just dominate sometimes. When he's on, right, the spin he gets on his pitchers, if he can cut down on the walks and get a bit more control, I think he has potential to, to dominate this year out of the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, he he's, he's a great pitcher. Yeah, his sinker is nasty, slider is nasty, curveball is nasty. He just got some great stuff. Yeah, I was very confident in him. Yeah. So my next guy is Jesus Lazardo. Jesus Lazardo is a great a great pitcher. Kate didn't pitch pitch at all or pitched a tiny bit in 2019 during the regular season, but he came in in the playoffs and did very well. This year, didn't have a great array of only 412. He didn't put together what we thought he would, but I think he changes that this year and put stuff together. Like Tyler Glasnow with him, it's all about consistency and walking less batters and hitting less batters. He has a nasty curveball with a nasty sinker. I mean, 22.8 percentile and spin on the curveball. He's it's not as good as you, as it sounds, but he has a nasty curveball. He has a great fastball. He has a good sinker, solid changeup. He has nasty stuff. He just has to put it all together, be more consistent, and walk work on his control, walk less batters, hit less batters, and he'll be a lot better. All right. I'll move on to my next player. It is national center fielder Victor Robles. I'm a massive fan of this guy, and the thing, the only thing he needs to improve on is his hitting. He is a horrific hitter, especially in 2020, but I'm not going to count 2020. I'm going to look at 2019. But he, he was still a horrible hitter in 2019. But this year, last year he came into camp. He had put on a ton of weight. 
and that slowed him down. He's a by far fielding first center fielder, and he was nowhere near as good as a fielder as he was in 2019 versus 2020. But he cut down on his weight this season. He's back to where he was in 2019 weight-wise. And I really think he has some great, great, great potential to, to just rip up the outfield. He's got one of the best arms in baseball. If he can take himself to a slightly below average hitter, he, he will be insane. Yeah, he needs to. He's an amazing fielder. He's great on the base pass, and he's very fast. But just he, he also he. There's two things he could work on. One thing is in the field, which is his arm accuracy. He's a great fielder. He has a strong arm. He's not a very accurate thrower. Right. But um, but and also he just number one thing he got to work on that hitting. Right like in twenty nine. He had one of the worst exit velocities with players minimum of 50 at-bats in 2019. Just He was a horrible hitter. He's just not a good hitter. But, again, if he can bring himself to just a slightly below average hitter, he will be fantastic just because of the – just because of he is one of the best fielders in baseball. Yeah. All right. That wraps it up for me. Well, um, I have – my third one, and then I actually did four here because I could not take one out. I had four, and All I right. just couldn't take one out. So I'll give my next two. My first one is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm-hmm. Now, Vlad, Vlad Jr. has is someone that has been – he's shown flashes. You know, first half of his rookie season in 2019, he was putting on a tear. Uh, he, he was putting on a tear. Um, in the league, um, but then slowed down in the second half, only ended up with 15 home runs after getting most of those in the first half. This year had a disappointing season, but this is the year, again, that I think he puts it all together. He shows flashes, 92.5 at average exit velocity, barrel percentage of 8.7. I mean, he had 183 walks. In the full season, he had 375, hard hit, hard hit ball percentage of 50.8, top 7% in the league, top um, in both exit velocity and hard hit, a hard hit percentage, walk for um, strikeout percentage of 15.6, which is not very great, walk percentage of 8.2, but I mean, he, he just needs to put it all together, and I think he can do that. And I think he'll break out this year and finally does consistently what he's done in flashes. Yeah, I agree. Last season, he was a not a great fielder, but I expect them to move him to more of a first base DH role. Yeah, yeah I don't think he's going to be a third baseman. Right, which I think way better suits him. He's not a good fielder, but he's one of the most hyped prospects ever. Obviously, his dad is a legendary player, but just, yeah, I'm super, I, I agree. Vlad Jr., fun to watch. I think he takes the step up this season. Yeah. All right. So, well, I have my last guy. All right. He is um, someone that has already been mentioned in this video, and that is Anthony Santander. 
Uh-huh. Anthony, Anthony Santander had an amazing season last year, only 37 games. But like I said, I said this all before, while he was playing consistently like the leader in league and home runs, even last year he had 20 home runs, OPS of eight of 890, slugging of 575, not great on base, but and he's an amazing fielder. But I, I wouldn't call him an amazing fielder. I would. He has an insanely strong arm, and he is a very good fielder. Uh, 88.6 I mean, average exit velocity, hard hit ball percentage of 36.7, which is not as good as you'd like, but that's because if you just need to be a little more consistently, but that's because he is a home run hitter. If he gets more hits consistently, that'll go up. And I mean, yeah. strike percentage is is way too high at nineteen point seven. You'd like to see him walk a little bit more, but he he can be. But he has a great barrel percentage. Like I said, he's a home run hitter, ten point two percent, one hundred twenty eight walks last year. I mean, he is he is a very he is a good player that I think is going to break out this year. Yeah, I wouldn't call him an elite fielder. Is I love I I really like baseball savant. I use it a lot. Yeah. But 39th percentile out and outs above average. Average in his in his jump. He's not a I would I would call him a he's a, has a great arm. There's no doubt about that, but I can't call him an elite fielder. Mm, I don't know. But, but yeah, so yeah I, wanna... I do agree. I think Anthony Santan there is an excellent, excellent player and one of the more underrated players in baseball yeah so you want to give us your first player taking a step down i i will um my first player taking a step down is a player i really don't like it is last year's undeserved cy young award winner trevor bout last year had a great season statistical wise but he pitched against three teams over 500 last year. Three teams over 500 in a shortened season where I just – he's on a new team this year and a boosted and a great rotation. But last season he put up absurd numbers stat-wise, but once again played three teams over 500, had a big step up from 2019 to 2020, which a lot – just I'm just not confident in in his abilities to keep this up again you know you don't like I don't like him as a player he's kind of a jerk he just gets mad over everything he had a season last year that was a bit of an overrated I keep saying it played three teams over 500 had an undeserved Cy Young award yeah that's all I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, he he is a great pitcher, and you can't deny that. But I, you know what, I'm denying. Trevor Bauer for me is still not a top ten pitcher in baseball. Okay, he's still a great pitcher. I would I would take Carlos Carrasco over Trevor Bauer. What? That. Okay, you're just I, underrating Trevor. Nope. 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 I would take. Carlos Carrasco right now over Trevor. Trevor Bauer was better than Carlos Carrasco before this past year. Like, I just, I just, Trevor Bauer, 
does he has not he doesn't pitch against he didn't pitch against good teams last season. Just I, I like Car, Carlos Carrasco. Let's talk about Carlos Carrasco then. Last year, two ninety one ERA. Just had a decent season. Whip around one point two. FIP hovering around 3.6. But you have to keep in mind, the man came back from from cancer last season. And he's putting up solid numbers. He, he, he has some of the highest spin rates in all of baseball. He has some nasty, nasty pitches. His slider is beyond excellent. He is well above average in nearly every single important hitting percentage right just he is so talented maybe I wouldn't take him over Trevor Bauer bit of an overreaction but he is just Trevor Bauer is an overrated pitcher for me he's overrated he's not I mean he's not you know he's not bad he's still very good yeah all right so I'll go to my first player that I have taking a step down. And I did this a little bit just to piss you off. Mm-hmm. And that is Trey Turner. Trey Turner is not this year going to have a batting average of 335 on base of 394, slugging of 588, OPS of 982. He's not going to hit. He played in 59 games for 12 home runs. He's not going to hit that like equivalency to 162 games. Okay. He's not mm-hmm. going to do nearly as good as he did this year. I see him hitting maybe 15 home runs, batting average in 300 max, OPS at like 800, 810. And like he's just not going to do as good as he did this past year. Um, yeah. So um, my computer monitor has decided to turn off. So I'll be back in a second. But Rafi, if you want to go on to your next one, that'd be okay. Okay. Um, sorry about that. But I will go with my next one, and that is Donovan Solano. Donovan Solano, I mean, he's he had a great year this year. He's always going to give you a good batting average. He's never going to hit any home runs or for any power for you. He's he is old. I think he's, I mean, he, I think he's a, he's just going to be a one-year wonder. I mean, this past year, um, um, this past year he had a batting average of 326 before that batting average of 330. I think he doesn't hit for a higher batting average than like 285, 290, but I think he's going to hit 285, 290 and be a bad player because he's going to hit for an OPS of like 740, 730, and I don't think he's going to be that good this year. I am back, by the way. And I did not put Donovan Solano just because I knew you were going to put him and I wanted to do something a little bit different, but I 100% agree. He had, he is, he will be a prime example of had a good 2020 in a shortened season where he was able to, to have a solid 60 game stretch. He can't do that for 162 game season, and even last season he was good, but he was not great. And that's right? in the same. That's in only a little bit more at bats than this year. Um, uh, 
and um, yeah. Yeah, just Donovan Salah. He's he he he's thirty three. Just I think he had a bit of a fluke season last year in fifty four games. He had three twenty six, but he didn't do anything else, right? 15 doubles is solid for that amount of games. He hit three home runs, only drove in 29 runs. He just, he, gosh, Donovan Solano is just not that. He's, he's an average to a maybe above average player. Maybe. I don't, I don't even say he's above average. But, right. um, yes, yeah, so right. you want to go with your next two? I'll go with my next two. It my first one or second one here is an MVP last season. It is Chicago White Sox Jose Abreu. He had a fantastic year last year. I don't even I don't think he deserved MVP. I think he should have gone to DJ Mayhew. But that's an argument for another time. Hit 317, OPS of 987. But I just don't think he will be able to replicate that across an 162-game stretch. He took a massive jump in 2019 to 2020. Uh, He just – I don't know how to say this, but I just don't think he'll be able to replicate that for an entire 162-game season. Let's go back to 2019 here. He will always be a great hitter. But he he doesn't walk. He's a bad fielder. I just I just don't think he'll be able to yeah, replicate Jose, his past season across 100. Jose, yeah, Jose Abreu is not going to be the MVP this year. He's not going to have an MVP caliber season. I think he's still going to. I think he's still going to have a good year this year, hitting wise. He's just not going to do nearly as well. Right. That's what I'm saying. This is not to knock Jose Bright. Yeah. But what I said about Trevor Bauer was to knock about Trevor Bauer. I just really don't like Trevor Bauer. Okay. All right. I'll go on to my next one. It is a player who had a solid, solid season last year. It is um, It is Los Angeles Dodgers shortstop Corey Seager. Um. He had a solid season last year, but I saw some people saying he's a top three shortstop in baseball. That is just flat out wrong. Corey Seager last year had a solid season, right? Crossed 52 games, hit 307, 943 OPS, 15 home runs. But that's like, that's a good season. But you stretch that out across 162 games, and that's that you you probably hit 290 with how many home runs? That's like 30 home runs, which is decent. Which is decent. 30. Since when is 30 home runs decent? Okay, it's it's good, but I just don't think he will be able to replicate the season he had. Last year, across this year, he is just, he's not a great fielder. He's a, he's a very, very good hitter, but let's, in 2020, but let's look back to 2019, where it was the exact opposite. 
He was a solid fielder, but he was a below average hitter in 2019. An exit velocity in the 38th percentile. XWOBA was exactly average with the rest of the league. Uh, strikeout percentage was a bit above average, but everything else is average to below average in his last full season in 2019. I'm gonna, I, I disagree with this one. I, I could see Corey Seager putting together a breakout year with an MVP campaign. I just don't see it. I just don't Corey see Seager's it. Corey very good. Just the talent is there. He just needs to put it all together. I just don't think he'll be able to. Last year, this shortened season, he was arguably the best hitter in baseball. He had an outstanding year. But look back to 2019, average to below average, was a decent fielder, but I just – someone who makes that big of a jump in a 60-game season across this – like, I just – don't think they'll be able to rec- replicate that in 2021. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I think he's he's a very good player that is going to be I there. still think he's a good player, still a top 10 to 7 shortstop in baseball, but he is nowhere near the likes of Trevor Story and Francisco Lindor, yeah. right? Like, Yeah, I agree I, with that. He's not. That's That's all I have to say. Yeah, all right. So I'll move on to my to my next guy. And this is similar to your Jose Abreu pick. This is not at all a knock to him. He is top five best relievers in baseball. And my guy is Devin Williams. I am going full on the Devin Williams train. Devin Williams is so good. He has a nasty curveball, nasty fastball. The only reason he's on this list is because I could see him being one of the best relievers in baseball by putting, you know, up a 1.20, 1.30 ERA with a 0.890 whip. He's not going to have a 0.33 ERA with a whip of 0.630. He's going to have a great year, not going to have a 0.33 ERA with a whip of 0.630. I feel like that's kind of obvious, though. I mean, right? Yeah. Like, of course he's not going to be able to put up a sub-0.5 ERA across 162-game season. Yeah. But I didn't put him on here because he – I don't know. I just, did, I just didn't put him All on right. here. So, if you want me to mention one guy that is not as obvious, I will, and that is Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson. Mm-hmm. Tim Anderson is a good player that has had two good years in a row. I just don't think that in today's MLB with that type of power, you can sustain it. I think he's going to have to start hitting more home runs if he wants to sustain it. I'll see him hitting, you know, 300 this year with an OPS of eight, you know, eight around 800, 810, which is still a good year, but I don't see him putting up a batting average of 322 with an OPS of 886. Yeah, I agree. Tim Anderson, a lot of people are really high on him. I am not so high on him. He doesn't have the power. He 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 doesn't walk at all. He swings and misses at a ton, a ton, a ton of pitchers. He's very fast. He's an above-average fielder, but he just doesn't quite enough. He just doesn't have quite enough hitting that he needs to be to be called an elite shortstop for me. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I'm done. That's my – I've said my three. Oh, all right. So, we are going to move on to our last segment. This is a segment that's different. We've never really done, like, a game before, and this one's kind of like a game. Um, as we all know, um, minor league baseball has some funny names. 
the teams have some funny names, um, and it is pretty funny. To name a few that I don't have on my list, so it's not giving any way, there are the Montgomery Biscuits, the Modesto Nuts, the Flying Squirrels, the Lansing Lug Nuts, and to name a few. So I have a game. I came up, I have seven minor league baseball team names. A certain amount of them are real names, and a certain amount of them are names that I came up with myself. And by the way, I'm not doing city names. I'm just saying the name of the team. Okay. And so I'm going to say it, and Gabe has to guess whether it is a real minor league baseball team or it is a name that I came up with. So All right. I will I will give you my first one. My first one is the Dolphin Heads. No looking up on your on the internet. My first I'm one not, is, I am not looking this up. My first one is the dolphin heads. Dolphin heads. I mm, this one is tough because I'm trying to think of cities in America that quite like maybe have some sort of dolphin name influence. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this one is fake. You are correct. All right. All right. My next one is the jumping kangaroos. Kangaroos in jumping kangaroos, I feel like is redundant because I feel like everyone knows kangaroos jump a lot. So I am going to say, I'm going to say this one is, I'll say this one's, oh, this is so tough because it, it could be anything. When there's a team called the Biscuits, jumping kangaroos doesn't sound so absurd. Yeah. So I'm going to say this one is real. This one is fake. Uh, okay. you, know, you know what I'm going to do for the next five? I'm not going to tell you until the end so that, like, you don't think three ha- three of them have been right. This one has to be wrong. Okay. All right. Um, my next one is the sea unicorns. Let me say that one's real. I okay. just really hope that's real. I really hope there's a minor league baseball team called the sea unicorns. Um, all right. Um. Let me put that down. Um, the next one is the Mama Hens. Mm-hmm. I say that one is that one. That one's fake. The Mama Hens is fake because I don't know. I feel I have a, all of these are just based off first first instinct for me. So I'm gonna say Mama Hens is fake. Okay, um, my next one is the Rumble Ponies. That one's fake. My next one is the Trash Pandas. The Trash Pandas. Who would willingly call themselves trash? But I'm going to say that one is real. I'm going to say that one is real. I'm going to say the Trash Pandas are real. Okay, the next one is the rubber ducks. That one's fake. Rubber ducks is fake. Can I change past ones or no? No, no, we're not doing that. All right, are you ready to hear your results? I'm ready to hear the so results. So you know the first two, you were right on dolphin heads and you were wrong on the jumping kangaroos. So you're one for okay. two there. On the sea unicorns, you said that the sea unicorns were a real team. The Norwich Sea Unicorns are a real team. Let's go. You said that the mama hens were fake. The mama hens are fake. Okay. 
you said that the, you said that the Rumble Ponies were fake. The Binghamton Rumble Ponies oh, are not come fake. On. The Binghamton Rumble Ponies are not fake. You said that the Trash Pandas were real. Mm-hmm. The Rocket City Trash Pandas oh. are a real team. All right. You said that the Rubber Ducks were fake. The Akron Rubber Ducks are a real team. All right. So in the end, you did three. Wait, no. Whoops. You did four correctly and three incorrectly. I I will take four for seven. That is like 50-something percent. Yeah. I'll take that. That was a fun, short little segment. But thank you all for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed. Check out our Instagram at All Star Sports Pod and our website, www.allstarsportspod.com. And I hope to see you next time and peace out. Peace.